Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Times in the NCAA are changing. And the advent of the smartphone has really created, um, quite frankly, a generation of people that you may say have perpetual ADD. So <laughs> I'm one of them. <laughs> you, you, you need to constantly be delivering messages that are relevant, because if you don't deliver a relevant message, it gets ignored. That's Steve Hank, Executive Vice President at Affiniquest, who is helping athletic departments navigate the brave new world of engagement amidst sweeping change. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Steve Hank has a background in two large athletic departments, the University of Texas and Arizona State, and now he's working with his colleagues to help them bridge the gap with new modern fans, all while the earth under the NCAA Foundation is having a once-in-a-generation shift. Our guest this week is Steve Hank. He is the Executive Vice President of Collegiate Athletics at AffiniQuest, which is a data hygiene and management platform that enables athletic departments to analyze ticket and merchandise sales, fundraising, and all other data points in order to increase revenue and personalize engagement with their fans. And man, are we in different times in collegiate athletics. Hi, Steve. How are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Brian. Uh, I want to get into your background because you have a deep background in college sports at major programs, but let me just start with the company itself. Um, that was a lot of big words. What exactly do you guys do? As our, as our name implies in AffiniQuest, we really help institutions leverage the affinity um, that their constituents have when the passion that they have for the place. So we help them unlock all of that, that affinity and help deepen the relationships that they have with their fans and with their constituents at both the institutional level and also in the athletic department. So it helps the university maximize the relationship with the constituents so the constituent and the fan really benefit. And then the institution uh, benefits as well from a deepened relationship, which usually results in higher revenue. Okay, so how do you go about it? Tell us a little bit about the technology behind acquiring this information to help athletic departments. BASF, the company out there that says, we don't make the products you buy, we make the products you buy better. And in the same, same respect, we really do a lot of that same type of, uh, same type of work. So what we do is universities have a goldmine of information that their fans have provided them out of their ticketing system that tells them they may sit in section four seats, uh, row four seats, one through four. Their housing system is going to tell what dorm they lived in on campus. The merchandise system is going to tell them that they purchase, you know, extra large polo shirts and, and baseball caps. Um, all of that information, the email system is going to tell them what they're reading and what they're engaging and, and what they're trying to glean from the institution. 
each of those systems is siloed and that information is not accessible by the other systems where if you collect all of that information, put it in one spot, you can understand and meet the needs of that fan or that constituent so that you understand that Bram sits in section four, row one through four, graduated in 1994, lived in this dorm, buys baseball caps and polo shirts yeah. from the team shop, likes to buy this on, on concession stands. So you get a profile on the individual and you get to meet their needs. Um, are, are you finding through all of this that outside of, and, and when we talk about some of these big schools and you're working with a lot of SEC schools that have very loyal alums, very loyal fan bases throughout the years, that you didn't actually know the fan base as well as maybe you thought you did? The assumptions that institutions were making, they are learning deep insights that they did not know before. They are getting surprises that have been unlocked um, in many cases. For When I worked at Arizona State, one of the unlocked things that we were able to find out is it really wasn't the game time temperature. We always thought that heat was a factor in attendance at Arizona State. It actually wasn't. The game time was actually related to their family activities and things that were associated with the kids. Um, and so heat actually only applied a small factor to attendance changes, which was something that really, really surprised us. So yes, new profiles are being unlocked, but more importantly, it allows you to segment people into deliver what we say, deliver the right message to the right person at the right time. So that the communication that you send to an alumnus who's 50 years old should be very different to the communication that you send to a young alum who is two or three years out of school. But unless you know their age, their position, where they are, and their current status, you can't deliver that right message to them. So it really has been an eye-opening experience for our clients. Um, okay, so you have a lot of experience. You spent 14 years as the chief revenue officer at the University of Texas. You were the associate athletic director at Arizona State. Um, are you finding that schools currently are having trouble selling tickets? Is that is that an issue in collegiate sports right now, in big-time collegiate sports right now? It is. And, you know, it, the competition has gotten greater um, from all sectors, you, know, you have the X Games and you have people becoming distracted. There's more competition than ever for the entertainment dollar. And when you couple that with the fact that there is not an evolution going on in collegiate athletics right now, there's a revolution yeah. going on in collegiate athletics. So when you combine the aspects of increased competition along with all of the change that is coming in, Deepening your relationship with your constituents and communicating with them in a way that is relevant and powerful to them is essential. And what people want, we live in the era of personalization. All you have to do is turn on Amazon and Amazon tells you things you need before you even know that you need them. So um, to be able to understand and to deepen and build that relationship at the constituent level, because you know, there's a lot of business conversation around collegiate athletics right now, and we have to be incredibly careful that we don't forget about the two most important things in collegiate athletics. One is the student athlete, and the second is our constituents. There are business things that are currently impacting and that are important and need to be handled, but you can't remember the foundation of what got collegiate athletics to the successful place that it is today. Are, are you at AffiniQuest looking into helping colleges and athletic departments understand and mobilize around NIL for their athletes? 
We are. That is something that is in a that is in a process that is evolving. You know, the, the NIL landscape is one that is still shifting. A lot of the rules and regulations haven't clearly been defined yet. Um, so it's going to be an that is one area where there will be an evolutionary process that will be coming as, as we see. Um, but understanding the constituents and the opportunities for student athletes is something that we're looking into. Yes. Um, having worked at two major athletic departments and you bring in all this modern technology and data, do you believe that these leagues and these schools are equipped to understand how to use the data to their advantage? The, the answer is it entirely depends upon the institution. Um, as there are some institutions such as the University of Florida um, that are really leading the way. Um, Penn State's another example and, and Texas A&M of institutions that really are, are understanding and have uh, dove in and, and figured out how to do it. But then there are other institutions that I won't name that are back in the Stone Age. <laughs> so you have some that, that have not evolved and have not embraced it. Um, I would say that, you know, 10 years ago, People were like, oh, what's data? Today, <laughs> everybody understands the importance, the curve um, where people fall on that spectrum um, is relatively wide. But then you have places, uh, Notre Dame is a great example of, a, of an institution. Um, I, I don't think uh, people would disagree that Notre Dame is one of the most tradition-laden programs in the country, and is, is that they have evolved and rapidly um, moved very quickly um, from an institution that was very tradition-based to one that is actually heading towards the cutting edge very quickly. So a lot of them are are aggressively moving forward. All right, so let me ask you some of the challenges of the modern fan, because I did not go to a big institution like this. I went to a smaller private school, but I always have envisioned in my head, and with friends who have gone to places like Michigan or Syracuse or Texas or USC, that once you go there, that you are now kind of part of this family for life and you'll always be on some level engaged. Are you finding that younger fans aren't that way and that the institutions have to do more to include them in these traditions in and around collegiate athletics? Absolutely. Um, because there are more options than ever before. And the advent of the smartphone has really created um quite frankly, a generation of people that you may say have perpetual ADD. So <laughs> I'm one of them. <laughs> you, you, you need to constantly be delivering messages that are relevant because if you don't deliver a relevant message, it gets ignored um, and does not get, um, does not get absorbed by the individual. So you have to understand them in order to deliver that relevant message. And in order to do that, you have to collect the information that you already have. And that's the thing is these institutions already have the information, but it's just sitting in silos where it is not accessible and not usable for them. And so it's really unlocking all of that potential to meet the needs of the constituent and the fan. So that's really what we do. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Was this built because of all the radical changes that are happening with movement of programs and NIL and all these changes, or, or was that kind of uh, like uh, coincidental that you all built this, you're in a modern data era, and these other things keep happening in and around collegiate athletics? Affiniquest has been around and we've had a recent name change. We were a company called SSB, um, which has been around for you know, he's been working with collegiate athletic departments and professional sports teams for over 15 years. Okay. So, so it has been um, an evolution as you have seen the importance of data in all industries has become more and more important because again, we live in that era of personalization and that's what people are demanding and expecting. Um, so in order to do that, you have to collect it. So have we evolved as the market has changed and um, have we done things like add predictive analytics capabilities and things that were not in the product originally? Absolutely. Um, and we've expanded and we've also moved um, into the other side of campus, the university side, so that universities, because athletic departments in many cases are the front porches to institutions, to where if you have a relationship with a particular school, you want to be treated as one individual by the entire school, not as an individual by the law school, an individual by the business school, by the university, by the foundation, or by the athletic department. You want to be treated holistically. And universities overall are in st- understanding uh, constituent management at a level um, never before, where the u- athletic department is one component of a larger group. All right, let me ask you a couple broad questions. You've already touched on NIL. Um, I want to ask you, having worked in major collegiate programs, where the word tradition means to you right now as you see movement, where a school like Texas is suddenly going to be in a conference of teams that they did not traditionally play through the years. How do you kind of view tradition as these programs make decisions about where their affiliations are going to be? That's a great question. I think tradition in many cases um, is actually being set by the wayside um, in some respects. I I think there's a delicate balance that schools have to find and preserve. Um, And I think tradition also can apply to many different things. It can apply to a rivalry, but it can also apply to many of the game day rituals and and things that occur on a game in normal. I think you're going to see a lot of the institutional level traditions remain. Um, the institutions, the items at Texas, the items at a Notre Dame or a USC, they aren't going to change. But I think we are in a period, as I mentioned earlier, it's not an evolution, it's a revolution. And I think yeah. this is a once-in-a-generation change that is occurring right now. And you're going to see new rivalries and new traditions um, emerge. You know, USC is going to be playing um, Penn State yeah. and is going to be playing Ohio State. Yeah. And I think that will open up some new opportunities. But for some people, is it going to be uncomfortable? Yes, it is. But also there's going to be, I think, some new exciting traditions and things that we'll look back 10 and 15 years from now and say that they've been they've been good. But yeah, change I, can be change can be challenging. I mean, I have two examples of my own, you know, personal and professional life. I grew up in the state of Maryland. 
Um, Maryland, and this has now been a long time, Maryland left for the Big Ten, you know, whatever it was, 10, 11 years ago. And the idea here locally that they would stop playing Duke or stop playing North Carolina or stop playing Virginia was such a ridiculously radical idea because of the traditions. And then professionally, my first job was in Nebraska, and I covered Tom Osborne at the end of his career. And then suddenly, they were no longer playing Oklahoma. I mean, it was such an odd, radical change. But I maybe to your point, I guess, we are in this time. You have to make adjustments. And I guess we all just have to live with it, right? And new traditions will emerge. Exactly. And the best way to facilitate that change is to constantly communicate with people. Um, and in order to do that, you have to understand them. But more importantly, if you look at university athletic departments, their resources are stretched and they have a finite amount of resources to be able to effectively communicate um, with people. So understanding where to apply those resources in what order um, and is very, very effective. And that's where you have to understand and be able to build those profiles um, on people to be able to meet their needs. Because that's all people want is want their needs met and communication. If you do both of those effectively, managing the change will be far easier. Um, let me talk to you about um, some of the schools, not like Texas is going to be fine. And I'm going to assume that Arizona State's going to be fine. However, that shakes out that they'll probably be fine. On the lower tier schools that were already kind of on the outside looking into the national conversation and now are really on the outside as these mega conferences are built. What are you saying to them about how they can use data to keep engagement in a program that clearly is not going to be perceived as important as some of these other programs that are building in these mega conferences? What we're communicating to them is that their life is about to change significantly. Um, they're going to be receiving significantly smaller portions um, of those television rights agreements. And those, those rights fees either won't increase and will stay flat, or in some cases may even go down. With that, your relationship that you have with your core constituent base, because there's only so many levers that an athletic department can pull. You can pull your ticket pricing, you can pull a lever on, on donations, you can work on your sponsorships, and then your television rights agreements. I mean, outside of that, and merchandise, perhaps, um, your revenue streams are limited in their types in terms of ones that can have significant impact on your budget. So at that point, understanding, the, um, understanding your fan base and knowing what each of their particular needs are and segmenting them into the personas because how you treat a young alum needs to be different than how you treat somebody who is a brand new family with two kids, with how you treat somebody that has a sophisticated business or somebody who just sold their business and is a retiree. And you need to engage them across that entire time period. It can't just be one. You need yeah. to build and take them on a engage and build a relationship with them by talking with them in ways that are relevant to them. So it's, this is not going to be an instant panacea. It is going to be, you have to understand people throughout the journey and solidify that entire relationship and have relevant communication with them over a period of time. That's when, um, that's when the maximum impact occurs. All right, let me ask you then the big, broad and final question, which I think I'm nervous about, 
um, for a lot of different programs, which is, for lack of a better term, we'll call them the have-nots, the ones that don't end up in one of these mega conferences. Do you think that there are going to be football programs that are going to be shuttered because they can't come to the conclusion that it's viable to continue doing it if they're not part of something that large? I think that's a reality um, that people are going to, big question that people are going to have to face. Um, do I think it's going to happen? Yeah, I think it will. Um, and over what time period? That's the big question mark. You obviously have the ACC that is locked up in their grants of rights, and, and we'll see how that plays out um, with, their, with their schools. There's a lot of uncertainty um, right now. You know, the question is, is you know, ESPN is still going to be looking for programming in that late window. Um, that they really want to that they really want to fill. So I think that's going to provide an opportunity potentially for the Pac-12 um, to potentially stay together. Um, you know, the question is, will there be? I don't think there's going to be five Power Five conferences moving forward. The question is, will there be three? Three. Can a fourth come into the window? Yeah. And what does that look like? But do I think there's going to be some schools that are going to have to reevaluate? Um, and that may make some adjustments to that. Yes, I do. Okay. All right. Well then let me end on a, a more positive note then, because there's just a lot of change. And I, I would think that in some ways there's got to be a, a positive outlook about what's happening here, even with all the fear of what it might mean for certain schools and conferences and traditions. If you're thinking about how do I take advantage of these changing times um, in a positive way, how are you kind of thinking through that right now? Well, change can also be exciting and invigorating, um, and it's it's difficult and it's hard. But it can all, as I mentioned, it can be exciting and invigorating. Um, in order to do that, it's introducing people to new things. Um, I think the first time that USC travels to the Horseshoe, yeah. I think there's going to be some pretty good excitement that's going to be occurring when that transition um, transition comes through. But what you have to do is you have to communicate to people the positives of the situation. When you look at any situation, there are pros and cons to to each situation and what those benefits are. There are some great rivalries that are going to be, re, you know, there was change when Arkansas left to go to the SEC. And if you remember, Texas and Arkansas had quite the lively rivalry for right. many, many years. Uh, you're going to start to see some old things from the old Southwest conference <laughs> that are going that are going to be revived. Um, so it's kind of, in some cases, it's going it's going back to the future um, in some respects. Um, so communicating those benefits um, and constantly touching and caring for your fans and, and asking them to engage and, and say, hey, we understand you. We understand this is hard. You're important to us. And putting a hug around them as you go through change makes it easier. Um, but I think there's going to be, as much as the change is difficult, and I am a traditionalist, um, and I enjoy a lot of the, the great traditions, but I also am looking at some of the things in the future and saying this could be great and exciting for the game if, it, if the transition is managed properly. Steve Hank is the Executive Vice President of Collegiate Athletics for AffiniQuest. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bram. I really enjoyed it. On the next Future Sport Podcast. The power of tart cherry juice has believers. In college, I actually did. I was like, you guys, like I'm having trouble sleeping. Um, like I, I didn't really know what to do. 
you know, the you take the, you know, the typical melatonin or whatever it may be, but I wanted something that also had other benefits as well. So that's when I was really introduced to Trey Bundy. And it was, it's easy. It really tastes good. I can drink it in like five gulps. So I was like, this is great. And I was always be drinking it right before sleep and, you know, after a really long day of training. That's Michaela Onyawari of the New York Liberty, who swears by a product for all sorts of fitness and health needs. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.